Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 19. Well, hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. Now, before I dive into today's episode, I thought I'd take a moment to catch you up on some things that have been going on for me in my life. So, well, it's April and my birthday happens to be at the end of the month on April 27th. And I'm sharing this not because I want you all to wish me a happy birthday, although that's always fun. And so if you want to, please do. I'd love that. But I'm sharing this because it's actually a milestone birthday, like a really big milestone birthday. Yep, I'm turning 50. I can't believe I just said that. Well, I guess I can. It's not that big of a deal, is it? Maybe it is. But I mean, obviously, as you can see, I have so many mixed emotions about it because it's a milestone that I had so many dreams and goals tied to that by my 50th birthday, I would do X, Y, and Z or have achieved X, Y, and Z. And so I've achieved a lot of those dreams and goals and even surpassed some of them. And then there are some that I haven't achieved yet, but I'm still working on them. You see, I have always had a very clear vision of what my life would look like. I think that's how I, as a first-generation South Asian girl growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, kept laser-focused on my dreams of going to college and going to medical school and becoming a doctor. It was this clear vision that helped me choose to get married and have both my kids while I was in medical school and residency. It was this clear vision that helped me choose another path in healing, Ayurveda, both for myself and for my patients and my students. Now, what this vision did not include was what happened this past year, my 49th year of life leading up to my 50th birthday. My vision did not include a global pandemic in which the entire world came to a standstill. What my vision did include was finally stepping up and stepping into my full self, putting myself and my work out into the world through my speaking and my teaching, my online course, my book, and this podcast. I mean, I was working like crazy in 2019 and the first quarter of 2020, working behind the scenes, writing, creating, recording, because I had that clear vision that was tied to my 50th birthday. And for those of you who know me personally, you know that when I decide something, I decide. 
you know, I am a Taurus after all. And so I did what everyone else did. I adjusted and I pivoted and I changed my plans. I still launched this podcast. Okay, a little late and with lots of starts and stops. I still published my book without the huge book launch that was being planned and had to be scrapped. I delayed my online course launch and instead have a small group going through it right now. And even though I didn't do a lot of things I had planned, and I actually did less, I'm really tired. I'm fatigued. I'm quite honestly a little burned out. And I know that I'm not alone, which is why I chose the theme for April to be Heal Your Fatigue. And it's also why I'm so incredibly thrilled to introduce you to my guest today, Dr. Amy Shaw, who is the author of the new book, I'm So Effing Tired. Isn't that the best title? I'm So Effing Tired, a proven plan to beat burnout, boost your energy, and reclaim your life. But before I further introduce you to Amy and our amazing conversation, I first want to ask you for something for my 50th birthday. I have a goal of reaching 100 five-star reviews with comments by my 50th birthday on April 27th. And so I have a simple request. If you found this podcast helpful, would you please go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review with a few words about how this podcast has helped you? In addition, if you screenshot that review and DM it to me on Instagram, you'll be entered to win a signed copy of my book, The Health Catalyst, along with some of my favorite wellness products. I'll be giving away a couple copies this month and every month to you, my incredible podcast community, to thank you for your support. Reviews help so, so much in getting a podcast in front of more people, and it just takes 60 seconds of your time to do. There's a link in the show notes to make it really, really easy for you. Okay. So now let's get back to today's episode and my incredible guest, Dr. Amy Shaw. As I already mentioned, Amy is a fellow physician who trained in internal medicine and did a fellowship in allergy and immunology. She has studied at Cornell, Albert Einstein, Harvard, and Columbia. Basically, she's a badass. A car accident in 2010 in which her car spun out of control was the wake-up call that Amy needed to realize that her life was also out of control. She was juggling a career in medicine, two young children, her husband. All the while, her health was suffering. She was severely fatigued and feeling the effects of burnout. Can anyone relate here? I know I can. When she couldn't find the answers she was looking for to heal her fatigue, she embarked on her own wellness journey and as a result has dedicated her practice to help her patients live healthier lives using integrative and holistic approaches. Her new book, I'm So Effing Tired, again, the best title, is a wealth of information and outlines her approach to heal your fatigue. Now, Amy and I are both South Asian, first generation with similar backgrounds and very similar stories. And we talked about the pressure of expectations, internal and external, as well as gender expectations and cultural expectations. We talk about the pressures of trying to assimilate into American culture and how that affected our views of healing and medicine. We dive into the misconceptions around adrenal fatigue and the ideas of quick fixes and miracle pills that are so prevalent in the wellness world right now. Amy talks about healing fatigue and burnout and gives us insight into what she calls the energy trifecta and how to heal each of the three sides of this trifecta, the gut, the immune system, and our hormones. 
She also shares her one daily non-negotiable, which she says has completely transformed her health. Because we talked about so much in such a short time, for this episode, you might want to grab a notebook and a pen to take notes. I hope you find my conversation with Dr. Amy Shaw not just informative, but empowering to heal your fatigue. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today for the Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm so excited to have you um, as a fellow South Asian woman in medicine and just supporting you in your book and your work. So thank you so much for making the time. I know you're really, really busy right now with your book launch. So, Oh, no, it's a pleasure to be here. It's such a, a fun thing to be able to connect with people um, all over the world, and especially, like you said, um, you know, connecting with people with similar backgrounds, uh, similar training, um, similar views on life. Um, so it's been really uh, cool. That's amazing. That's great. Well, you know, I took some time um, over the past few days to dive into your book that you just released, I'm So Effing Tired. In your book, like right away on page three, you share the story of your turning point of that moment, you know, when you had your car accident and you realized that you had to change some things about your life because you were so, quote, effing tired and burned <laughs> out, you know. So I'm really curious to know more about sort of what led to that moment in time where you had that accident, like the years leading up to it. What was your experience as a South Asian woman growing up in the United States? Um, and, and how do you think, you know, that experience shaped your, your beliefs around health and illness and sort of where you ended up in that car accident? That's such a great question. Multi-faceted <laughs> question. After I released a book, somebody reached out to me and said, you know, they had similar experience. Oh, well, hundreds of women reached out to me and say, said that they had similar experiences. And um, some of which were also South Asian women who said to me, you know, maybe it's something about our immigrant families that ingrained kind of that work hard culture. I knew that the immigrant culture had so much to do with the way I was taught to work. Um, but I think there's a layer on top of that. Not only are we taking the work ethic from our parents or grandparents, we're also layering it on top of the expectation of women. And so we are working as hard as we can to be successful. And then we are taking on this very heavy backpack of mm -hmm. expectations as women. And, you know, for me, it was just so much uh, that I expected from myself that even my own family, my parents, my husband, they would say, you know, you're being so hard on yourself. It's okay if you don't, you know, spend every single day with your children after work, or it's okay if you spend a little more time on things outside of mothering. And I think that is something uh, we have a unique challenges of. We have this culture that ingrains in us that work is the most important thing, that if you have an opportunity for success, you must take it. Why would you ever not take it? And why wouldn't you give 100% to it? And then on top of that, you layer on the expectation for women, which is in almost pretty much every culture, including American culture, which is that um, if you are a working person and a mom or you know caretaker in any way, 
that you have these additional duties um, and you must excel at those as well. So I think that's what happened to me. I think that you know when I was in medical school, I didn't have children or responsibilities uh, financially. I think I was burned out, but I could recover. You know, there was always like a little recovery period. Um, and then I think that the hormonal milieu changes as we get a little bit older. Um, but then also the expectations that we put on ourselves, the society puts on us that um, really put me over the edge. And I know so many other people can relate. Yeah. So I, I identify with you so much because we have very similar stories, same sort of thing. I got married while I was in medical school at the end of medical school and had both my kids while I was in med school residency. So I totally relate to what you were saying about, you know, when you start medical school, you have no other responsibility. So you have that time to rest and recover, even though it's so incredibly intense, but then you add all these other layers of um, responsibilities and roles and expectations. And it starts to get to be almost too much and overwhelming. And um, I do think I agree with you that some of that comes from our South Asian background, our immigrant background being, you know, first generation here. And then also, like you said, what society expects of us as women and working mothers. And then on top of that, physicians, right? So um, what would you say, you know, as you were growing up, what was sort of the belief around health and illness, do you think? growing up as a first-generation immigrant here? I have to say that one thing I did believe in is um, I shunned Ayurveda and I thought of it as um, very backwards, that it was something that, you know, that they didn't know any better back then. Um, (laughs) And that traditional medicine, because traditional medical textbooks pretty much negated a lot of what um, Ayurveda was telling me. So I would uh, shun um, the healing modalities and the uh, medical modalities that were given to me through my family, my parents, my grandparents, um, and my visits to India every summer. And instead, I embraced the Western medical science, which, um, you know, it was part of also assimilating with uh, the country and and especially where I was. I was in these academic institutions that really did not believe in anything outside of their own belief system. So I remember after medical school and during medical school, I did um, a summer where I learned acupuncture and in medical school, I started to really get interested in these Eastern modalities. And I said that during my interview for internal medicine residencies. And I remember that people looked at me, so many people looked at me like I had three heads and that I wasn't really a serious or or dedicated medical student. And um, luckily I had Deepak Chopra's brother was my interviewer at the Harvard hospitals at um, Beth Beth Israel Uh, Deaconess was where my interview was. And I remember sitting with him and he said, Oh yeah, my brother, you know, does a lot of that stuff kind of thing. And (laughs) he was, he was, yeah, he was into it as well. And he was really a a big proponent of having an open mind. And, um, that's eventually where I went for my training. So I had 
you know, during my medical school and training years, I really did open my mind to these ideas um, and really changed my ideology. I think I realized, wow, there is so much knowledge that they had. I mean, something as simple as the turmeric thing. So (laughs) turmeric needs black pepper and oil to be activated Mm -hmm. and it becomes like 900 times more active, the um, bioactive compound curcumin. And I remember thinking like, wow, how did the sages of Ayurveda know this like thousands of years ago without having this biochemical knowledge? Like, it's amazing to me how many of these things kind of come to light um, after uh, learning about you know, Western medicine. And so I like to stay now, um, and this has changed over the years. I like to stay where it kind of meets where Ayurveda, um, you know, Eastern Chinese medicine, um, and Western medical research kind of meet. And so that's a little bit peripheral from some of my colleagues who really like to stay within the Western medical complex and which is fine. Um, for themselves. And I don't like to go to the very extremes. Like there, there are parts of Ayurveda that I would say are very extreme or like, you know, not proven in my eyes. Um, and so I try to stick, I just try to incorporate and learn the things that um, kind of overlap. And this is so different from how I was when I was growing up. When I was growing up, I was just trying to get into medical school. I ignored everything Ayurveda or or outside of the box. And I was just going for it. Yeah. You know, it's, I swear, I I feel like I'm talking to myself right now, talking to you because that was so much my experience. You know, I think you bring up a really good point of, you know, so many of us who have families who came from other cultures, who had these deep and rich ancient healing traditions um, and the knowledge and the gift of that, you know, they, they sort of used those things when we were growing up, but I think we had this interesting place where we had to assimilate, you know, being in school, being, you know, with people who were quote American and us being American, right? We had to assimilate. So it's like this weird place of, well, I know what mom and dad do at home and my nani and my nana and, you know, all these people do at home and it works for them, but what do they know? And again, like when you're, when you set your sights on medical school, you almost have to like disregard that to be able to get where you want to go. But it's so interesting that, you know, we kind of get to this place where we start looking for more answers and we start looking at what we came from. You know, that was my experience anyway. So um, I really appreciate that, that, that insight of, you know, how we have, we've had to try to assimilate. um, And part of that meant maybe leaving behind some of the things that were true and that work and that, you know, like you said, medical science is now proving, which I know is a lot of the stuff that you wrote about in your book, which I so appreciate because I do think that when you can add the, the data and the evidence um, to back up what we've known for 5,000 years in Ayurveda or Chinese medicine or any of these integrated practices, it, it opens more doors for people to actually listen a little more, Yeah, um, you know? Because they're like, okay, well, maybe there, there must be something to it. You know, there's, there's evidence. So um, I really appreciate that about you. Um, so let's dive into your book. You know, I, I really wanted to talk about adrenal fatigue for exactly this reason, because, you know, you have a whole chapter about it in your book. 
And, you know, you point out very rightfully so, which has been one of my frustrations that, you know, adrenal fatigue is this sort of catchphrase buzzword right now in the wellness world. And it's not something we learned about in medical school, you know, and so could you spend a little time maybe talking about it and, and sort of your perspective of adrenal fatigue in your work with your patients? Yeah. Um, adrenal fatigue is something that people feel um, is a catch-all, like you said. If you Google, um, you know, fatigue or tired, one of the first results, if not the first result, will be something about adrenal fatigue. And it makes sense. Like there's this little, um, you know, uh, gland in your body that dysfunctions and that's why you're tired. And if you can get that gland to work again and pump out the um, hormones that it needs to, then you will be fixed. So take these supplements and boost up your adrenal function. And like, that's the end of the story. Right. And then I start to say, oh, well, maybe I should just, you know, maybe I was missing something in medical school. Like maybe I needed all these, I need these adrenal fatigue supplements, um, right. to boost up my adrenal gland. And then, yeah. and then the more I looked into it, I thought, Oh, well, maybe no, it's not adrenal fatigue. It's like, um, hormone dysfunction where it's, you know, estrogen imbalance, or it's this, it's a thyroid, um, dysfunction that like doesn't get picked up on testing or, you know, this whole world of hormonal imbalance was new to me because I, I really didn't understand from a medical perspective how it all worked. When I started to understand how hormones work and how they communicate with the body and our rudimentary understanding of the effect of hormones and how we can modulate them, I realized that it's not an isolated system problem. It's not a mm -hmm. gland, it's not like an, the adrenal is dysfunctioning. So the way I explain it in the book is that you basically have a highway, a hormone highway, and it starts in your brain with this GnRH pulse, and it kind of starts the whole system. And then the cars go off into exits, like at the thyroid or exit at the ovaries or exit at the adrenals. And if there's an accident at any one of those exits, there is going to be a slowdown of the entire system. And so your feelings of fatigue is not necessarily coming from your adrenals. It's coming from this traffic jam that's happened on this hormonal highway. Um, and what, you know, taking a bunch of supplements that so quote unquote <laughs> boost the adrenals is not going to be the answer to your, to your problems. Um, and so I, when I realized that, that really clarified a lot for me. And so I, I had to make a point to clarify it for people who, you know, are interested in where does all this fatigue come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to sort of, you know, click into what you just said about supplementation, because, you know, I know that that's something else, you know, being in integrative medicine, like you and I are, there's sort of this uh, very heavy focus in the wellness world on supplements all the time. But how many supplements yeah. can you take? And, you know, I just, it's, it's problematic for me when, when people will come to me saying, well, this doctor told me to take this, 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 and this supplement, and it's costing them a fortune, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, like what problems will those supplements then cause? You know, and, and what other changes are you making? Because it comes back to sort of this, 
Western perspective of everything has to have happened yesterday, right? Yeah. The, the treatment should have happened, or you, the fix to the problem should have happened yesterday. So let me just take all these supplements and I'll be okay, right? So I think that that's a really important point. And it's so funny. I know you're not ever supposed to read your bad reviews, um, but a couple of the bad reviews were all the same. <laughs> and they were like, there's no secret in here. Yeah. Um, you know, she has no, like, there's nothing basically what they were trying to say is like, we don't want to do the hard work. And we were looking for a one, a miracle solution and yeah. there's none included in there. And like, that's what I thought of as the, you know, the adrenal support cocktail of like a hundred supplements is just that it's this false promise uh, to people that all they have to do, they don't have to do the hard work. All they have to do is take a bunch of these supplements and voila, like your problems will be fixed. This magic pill concept yeah. that is so ingrained in our society. And actually someone messaged me the other day and said like, I wish you could just create a magic pill. Um, and she was joking, yeah. but she was serious. Like, yeah, I think like there was so many, and I talk to people every single day, super amazing, educated people who are like, just tell me, like, is there a magic, like, is there a supplement or what they're asking for is that magic pill concept. They're asking for a one solution. And that's how I think adrenal fatigue just got so popular because everybody's like, well, I'll try that. If you can tell me that taking these things can boost my adrenals and now I have more energy. Great. I'd much rather do that than sleep and eat right, right. and <laughs> exercise and all that stuff. Right. So, um, that's why I really steer away from supplements as well. Although I think supplements can have their time and place. Of course. Um, I do think that it's just perpetuating this idea. And, you know, that's exactly why the celery juice was so <laughs> crazed, was so popular <laughs> oh because you give anything these magical properties and people want to believe it. And there's this 30% placebo effect. And yep. Um, you know, and then it perpetuates this idea that there's this magical juice out there and then everybody wants it. So, yeah, um, yeah. that's how I think adrenal fatigue really got its uh, wings is is because of this riding on this concept of a, a one one stop solution. Right. And that that because it's adrenal fatigue, well, you know, that's the answer. That's the cause of all my problems of why I'm so tired and I don't exactly. need to look at the rest of my life look at what I'm doing on a daily basis. If I just fix this, I'll be okay. Sort of thing. So I, think it, I, I, I thought it was just so incredibly important that you really address that and have a full chapter on it. So that's why I really wanted to kind of dive into it a little more. So that kind of leads into, you know, so there is this problem with fatigue and burnout. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, sort of what you're seeing as far as, you know, we're in a global pandemic. I know I have seen yeah. seeing this personally in my own life with my family, my children who are college aged, you know, patients, students of this fatigue from this pandemic. What are you seeing as far as, you know, the research you've been doing for this book? And I know you were writing it in the middle of the, the yeah. pandemic. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, there's been a 33% bump in um, burnout symptoms uh, wow. over the last year. I mean, this is not a little change. Uh, these are this is in addition to ast astronomical rates of burnout. Um, you know, even before the pandemic. Interestingly, I 
think you'll find this interesting. And this is new data since the book, but does seem that women are at least 19% more likely to feel the effects of stress and burnout. And this has widened even more so since the pandemic. So it's like almost 70% of women feel stressed, burned out, symptoms of fatigue, um, whereas about 50% of men, which is still high, but um, feel those symptoms. And in addition, the World Economic Forum yesterday came out with a statistic that women have been um, pushed back in time by like 37 years from equalities, uh, uh, meaning that it will take 37 more years now for women to reach equality with men in terms of economic growth and pay and status. And, and we, so we've been set back about 37 years in the last year. Yeah. And that's, and they think it's, you know, it's a disproportionate uh, burden on women. It's women leaving the workforce. It's um, uh, just stress related uh, concerns that drive women out of the workplace. So it's, you know, it's multifactorial, but I just, I just can't believe how much an impact this has had. And this just goes to show that it's not Burnout, fatigue, fatigue is not just about doing too much. Like people will say, oh, like slow down. You're doing too much. That's why you're so tired. Right. Well, we barely went anywhere or did anything <laughs> last year. So yep. Yep. But what that doesn't explain fatigue all the way. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think that's a great point to make because, you know, I will have so many people who will come to me and say, well, you know, I went to this doctor and they just told me I'm doing too many things, which is totally yeah. You know, I read in, in your story, you know, that that's what you were told by your colleagues yeah. that when you first had your accident and were like, why, why am I tired? I had the same thing told to me, you know, by my right. peers, because of course doctors need doctors, right? So I went looking for answers and everyone was like, well, you just are, you know, you have a lot going on. You're, you know, you're in your residency training and you're married and you have kids and you have family. And, and so I I bought it. I bought that story, you know, and I didn't, I didn't question it. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I just, this is just the way it is. And I think you bring up such a good point because in the last year, we have been so isolated. I mean, we've been forced to stay home and slow the heck down. Right. I mean, right. I know I couldn't jump on planes anymore to go speak here, speak there. You know, right. I just had to do it all virtually, which was wonderful, but I'm exhausted, you know? I'm fatigued. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, we have this idea of that this is burnout and fatigue. It's just a problem we can solve by, um, you know, resting more. And what I realized is that it's actually doing more of the things that recharge you. It's not about doing, you know, less of the things that burn you out because that stuff is going to keep going. Um, that burnout is a problem of not recharging yourself yeah, um, on I, a daily basis. I think I, I just want you to say that again, because I think that is so incredibly brilliantly said and so important for people to hear about adding versus subtracting, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're not tired because we do too much because right. slowing down, um, even a toxic life is not going to fix the fatigue and burnout. We actually have to do more, more of the things that recharge us. And I give the analogy of using uh, of our cell phones because we're also 
um, used to thinking about our cell phones. When your cell phone is low on battery <laughs> and is working slow, you don't just use it less. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> you're going to go and recharge it. Plug you're it going to put it on a charger. Yeah. And you're going to literally like when the cell phone is dying, we feel like we're dying. You know, that, that <laughs> feeling of like, oh my God, we need to like immediately find a charger for this yeah. cell phone. Yeah. And yet, so that's the same concept. We need to recharge ourselves. We can't just um, say, okay, well, we're just not going to do as much and right. then return to that toxic life on Monday morning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is something that I have taken away even during this book launch. Like I've really, really worked on building in recharges throughout the crazy days. And um, I think I learned from all my mistakes. I think that we think that recharging is wasting time. So, um, and that's how our culture is built. Like, you know, um, working all the time is amazing and rewarded. And if you're overworked, amazing, like you even get more accolades. And then if you rest that, or if you try to recharge in any way, that's a waste of time. And that it feels like you're eating chocolate and like getting, you know, doing a spa day. Um, when really you're, you're literally building in little mini recharges throughout the day so that, um, you can sustain this pace. And what I've uh, convinced myself and my family laughs because I'm literally <laughs> obsessed with sleep. Um, I I'm am too. honestly, <laughs> I literally think that if you recharge yourself in the right way throughout the day and get a good night's sleep, there's nothing you can't do. Like I feel those two hours that you get of extra sleep. So if you're sleeping eight hours instead of six can be easily made up in productivity the next day, if you've had a good night's sleep. So, um, that's something I live by that I've been really good about during this book launch. Like I, no matter how busy I am, I must get my sleep. I must do a couple of things every day to recharge myself. And those are non-negotiables. That's amazing. I love that. And I think that it's so important as health practitioners for us to practice what we preach because, you know, we, we are examples to our patients and our students. Um, but also it comes from a place of authenticity. Then it's not like we're just like spewing all this information and talking about all this great stuff and we don't practice it ourselves. It kind of loses its meaning and its power. It's so much more powerful when we're, we're practicing what we preach. Right. So, um, I think that that's amazing that you are so, um, you know, committed to your own wellness and recharging every day, as you said. Um, okay, let's let's shift a little bit. Um, I, there's so many things I want to talk to you, and we have like not enough time, but we'll just keep going. I know. Um, you know, you talk about this idea of the energy trifecta, which I think is really quite brilliant on your part, and I love it um, because I think it's an easy way for people to understand what you're talking about. Can you just tell us about the three things since we're talking about adrenal fatigue and burnout, let's talk about solutions and sort of what you found with this idea of the energy trifecta. And maybe you could give, you know, one tip in each area of things that you think would really help people recharge, as you said, and, you know, boost their energy. 
Uh, the energy trifecta is the center for our energy. So it's this interconnectedness between our gut health, our immune health, and our hormone health. And the brain is in the middle talking to all the different sides of that triangle. Um, and the, re the way I found out about this is that um, when I was in immunology fellowship, we learned, um, we were looking at these studies that looked at the intercommunication between the gut bacteria, the immune system, um, the hormonal system in the brain. And I thought, whoa, mm -hmm. I've never heard this before, you know, and it wasn't until I came to my own crisis many yeah. years later that I realized, oh yeah, like that's why it's all going wrong for me. So I would, I had GI symptoms, so I had bloating, constipation, and then I had like tired symptoms, of course, the brain fatigue and moodiness. And then I had the immune systems, which was like inflammation, joint pains, and like um, difficulty recovering from illness. And then I had the hormonal symptoms, which, you know, to me, uh, uh, felt like um, it, my PMS was heightened uh, every month. And then I had this um, intense, um, you know, cortisol imbalance. And then, um, so those three things came together when I thought about, oh, wow, those are all connected. And the reason why all three systems are going wrong is that I'm doing these activities in my life that are basically damaging all three parts of that triangle. I'm sitting here just nodding my head up and down because <laughs> I'm saying, yep, yep, yep. I, yeah. I, every single one of those things I experienced as well. So we can't see each other, but <laughs> I'm yeah, nodding my head in agreement. It's, it's literally like the way um, that you can get your energy back. And also for, for people who are listening, this energy trifecta is actually also like the health trifecta. This is going to help you live longer, Absolutely. look leaner, feel better, um, all of that stuff. Um, it seems to stem from healing each one of these sides. So um, you ask for a way to, um, you know, help each one of these. Um, so for the gut health piece, um, I would say fiber, fiber is key. I did not know this even through my nutrition, um, degree that fiber is the actual food, the only food for, um, our good gut bacteria. So when we talk about this energy trifecta, we need to feed this one side of the energy trifecta. It's food. It, I mean, these guys have personalities, they have interests, they have uh, preferences for food. And so you want to feed them the food that makes them stronger and makes them uh, more in number and diverse. So um, the fiber piece would be for the gut health. Then for the immune health, they like inflammation. Okay, so one concept I want people to understand is inflammation is fatigue. So people will say like, I've heard this word inflammation. Inflammation is activation of your immune system. How does your immune system get activated? If it senses any kind of foreigner, um, it will activate if there's any kind of danger, injury. Um, and a lot of the dangers and injuries that we do to ourselves on a daily basis and a low level is a food that we eat. Um, and so cutting out processed, hyper palatable foods that really look foreign to the body. Because what happens is that immune system gets activated. 
and you get inflammation in your gut, which translates to inflammation into your brain, which means that you will feel tired, that your brain is sensing there's a danger, there's something crazy going on. We need to fix that. Um, let's not do a lot of other things. Let's slow down and fix the problem. So that's why when you're sick, you get really tired is because your, your body is sending these inflammatory signals to your brain. And similarly, when we eat or do smoke cigarettes or um, drink excessive alcohol or put all these toxins in our bodies, our, we basically are causing inflammation. And um, so cleaning up your food and really concentrating on a 90% unprocessed whole foods, plant-based diet is something I cannot recommend enough. I think that that can make the biggest difference um, in overall health, but definitely immune health, like lowering inflammation. Um, and then the hormone health piece is, I think the number one thing I would say is that piece on sleep that we just already talked about. Sleep is the, is the time that your hormones can be released and we can work on repair and renewal. And when you are thinking about improving the, um, your hormone function, this hormone highway, so much of that road work, I guess we could say in that same analogy and happens during the night. And that's when, you know, you can really reset, renew, um, recharge. And like, uh, like I said, I would bet anyone that the amount of time they lose by actually sleeping, they will gain in function the next day. Mm -hmm. That's important. So what time is, would you say is your cutoff for bedtime? I know what mine is. I wonder if it's the same. So what I do actually is I do lights out um, by nine. And yep. the reason why is that I need a little time to recharge, like, you know, like have a nighttime routine and be cut off from my electronic devices. So I try to do the electronic devices even earlier, like 8.30 if I can. But, um, and then I give myself a little bit of time before I fall asleep uh, to, to have uh, phone-free, you know, blue light-free um, time, even though I can, I have a little yellow light. If I want to read, I can do that. But um, around that time, I think 10 to six is kind of like the pattern that I've, I've um, talked to people about that, you know, if you can be loosely around that area, you're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're good. 10 to six. I, I recommend the same thing. And I'm, I'm pretty much a nine o'clock girl too. So yeah, you, we are, we are very similar that way. Um, that's great. Those I think are really great um, recommendations. I love that you were able to, you know, succinctly do that. Let me ask you one last thing, but then I'm going to do a speed round with you. If, if you could stay for that, just sure. a couple extra minutes, just because it's yeah, fun. Sure. And I think people will get to know you a little more. But before yeah. I ask you that, what would you say is like the one complete non-negotiable habit that you have that you do every day that you think has been just transformative for yourself? I get some natural light every day. Um, I think it says, it goes without saying like, oh, of course you want to get natural light every day. But I think there's so many people who go days um, without actually getting um, a dose of natural light. So I think that's been something that has been transformative to my energy and my health. And I will continue to do it. It's a non-negotiable. Okay. And natural light, you mean actually going outside, not through a window. 
Exactly. Okay. I just want to make sure that we point that out. So it's going outside, not looking out through a window or letting the sun shine. You know, that's all great, but like actually stepping outside. Okay. Love that. Thank you so much. Okay. So let's do a speed round real quick, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Um, So the first question, complete this sentence. Wellness is. Happiness. Love it. What's one myth about fatigue that we need to change? That there is a magic pill out there that we haven't found yet that will fix all of our fatigue problems. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about that earlier. What's something that people often get wrong about you? They think I'm a lot bigger than I am. So (laughs) everyone who meets me in real life, they're like, you're so tiny. So, yeah. What's one thing that you're really excited about right now? I'm just really excited about how the world has become one. So through my book launch, I was able to talk to people from all around the world in person. I mean, like not in person, in virtual person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I guess I didn't understand the capabilities of actually like community, like right now it is the middle of the night in Australia. And I was communicating with this person. It was dark outside and it was light here. And -hmm. it was just so amazing to me that we have the capability now to in real time to, um, you know, see these places and communicate with these people, um, in ways that we have never been able to do before. That's That's really exciting. Yeah, it is. And especially when we're doing you know, pretty innovative work that I think both of us are doing. It means that we have so much more reach with what we're doing. I think that's really exciting. Uh, Yeah. And communication and collaboration becomes so much easier when you can see the person and you can talk in real time, um, as opposed to the old days of, um, you know, the, the very, very expensive and, um, hard to hear phone calls that we would have with overseas people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. What's one thing that you're deeply grateful about right now? I'm deeply grateful um, that we have, so many of us have made it through the pandemic with our loved ones' health intact. I think that was something that was so heartbreaking through this whole entire thing. And wherever you are after this pandemic, you know, be grateful because um, it could have it could have been even worse. Even if it was bad for you, it could have been even worse. The fact that you're if you're able to hear this or if you're able to hug your family members tonight, that that you should be grateful for that. Yeah, beautiful. This is a question actually that you know President Obama asks a lot of his um, Obama fellows, and I have a real affinity for him. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and it's this. The question is, describe your world as it is and how you'd like it to be. The world as it is, is a beautiful place, but there's a a lot of miscommunication um, there uh, between groups, between factions. And we saw this, you know, especially in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the way I see the world for my children in a better place is where there is communication channels set up um, that are fair and fun and um, interesting. And people will, will be able to see each side um, and argue their points and uh, open up these communication channels that we so sorely need in this country and, and, and this world. 
Beautiful. And then just one last question, which I think is a, a great place for us to end our time together. Um, if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Making space uh, to figure out where you're broken. I think that what we, we live in a world in our to-do list and we're always so busy that we don't, never make space to actually know what's, what's broken in order to catalyze the healing. If you actually paused um, and examined your life, you might notice where the problems are and that can really catalyze your healing. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me, Amy. I so appreciate talking to you. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. This was so fun and the questions were awesome. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way, you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com, and you can subscribe to my newsletter, where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within.